Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down the distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Auto Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ryan Cop Jr. As always, on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, here to celebrate another Chiefs victory on a Tuesday. Ron, how you feeling about uh, Chiefs over the Raiders, 31-17? to 17. Classic win for the Chiefs. It was nice to see Stags, you know, a little bit of – we're getting too used to a defensive team. We're getting too used to, uh, you know, to, to this team being led by their defense. Uh, you know, this, this felt like a, a real classic Chiefs win, you know. Uh, Chiefs defense kind of looking shaky right, early on, right? Uh, Raiders – Aiden O'Connell dicing them up right away. Uh, that was that, that was pretty impressive. I will talk about it, but O'Connell was was a pretty impressive dude uh, yesterday. I was impressed with that dude from Purdue. Yeah, he's like a fourth round pick. Uh, Tom Child said he looked like me, so I don't know if we want to stash. Do you have any? <laughs> you have any takes there? I mean, I know the stash can. I'll I, let the people decide. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got nothing for you on that one, but uh, yeah, he had a couple of those passes that were. I mean, just. Nothing you could do about it. That one over McDuffie, it comes comes to mind right away. Like right? There's, there's often, you know, we say that a perfect pass beats perfect coverage every time or nearly every time. There's just sometimes there's just nothing you can do. And and that that was that one. So I I don't think we should hold that against McDuffie. That was a that was a dime. Yeah, that was a that was really good coverage. It actually reminded me people who are are frequent Twitter users like I, there was a viral clip of Sauce Gardner. Uh, you know, doing a very similar thing where, yeah, he played good trailing coverage, you know, turned at the ball, but, you know, Jalen Waddle or someone just made a really nice catch and someone was trying to point out like, you know, oh, why is Sauce Gardner get, uh, he, you know, he's not that good. It's like, dude, you know, cornerbacks have such a hard job. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, deep passes, especially like, you know, you're not trying to DPI now. Like it's, it's ridiculous how hard corners. And that's why it's amazing how well, you know, McDuffie, Sneed and them are playing and, but again, yeah, it was shaky right off the bat, wasn't it, Stags? Devontae Adams got loose on the first drive. There was that wide-open touchdown. But then they settled in. Chiefs offense scored four, uh, four out of five possessions touchdowns, and, uh, and, it, and it felt like a, 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 you know, a vintage Chiefs win. Yeah, what I loved was you know, there was a lot of uh, you know, predictions that never come true. But our old guy, Nick Wright, put out right in the middle of that, right after the Josh Jacobs run, he said, Prediction that Josh Jacobs run being down 14 nothing to the Raiders, that will be the moment the Chiefs offense snaps out of the funk. And lo and behold, it pretty much was. Uh, and 
for them to go down, score a touchdown, and then get another one right before half, uh, knowing that they get the ball back right after halftime, that sequence, you know, was was really encouraging for the offense. Yeah, and honestly, the main thing I took away from the offense was they really just focused on getting their playmakers, you know, in the best positions for them individually. I feel like they've 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 really just you know, I, I feel like they've just been too rotating. You know, they've, 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 they've spread out the ball, you know, maybe a little too much this year. I think we've all kind of felt like that, right? They need to tighten up the rotation. I know it's something you felt like, but really just specifically the receivers and, and, and I should say not the receivers, the pass catchers, uh, you know, it was nice to see, you know, guys like Pacheco get loose on two screens. Uh, you know, someone like Rasheed Rice, you know, not only have the two, uh, you know, quick passes on crossing routes, right? The shallow crossing route to one he took for a touchdown, obviously, but, you know, also had the pass where he's catching uh, over the corner on the sideline down the field. I mean, that's, that's using your guys in more advantageous positions, you know, kind of, you know, using them for their strengths. That's rice actually said in, in post game, he was like, I'm glad they did that because that's something I did in college really well. Like he actually said that, like, it's something we've been talking about. It's like, Hey, this is what he was drafted for. You know, he he considered himself DeAndre Hopkins as a comparison because he can do those kind of catches. And it was a really nice toe tap stags. I know you, 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 you probably like that. So yeah, I don't know. That that was the main thing to me is, is the offense just, you know, like really just being focused on, all right, get your playmakers, you know, the ball and, and, and the best ways they, they were in their, you know, to utilize their strengths, I guess the best way. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I sold them short a little bit, but they had a 12-play, 71-yard touchdown drive right after that Josh Jacobs run. Then they had an 8-play, 79-yard touchdown drive towards the end of the half. And then coming out of halftime with the ball back, another 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. So when was the last time we saw them actually take advantage of that, you know, deferring to the second half uh getting the ball right after halftime and being able to double up, getting a touchdown right before half and one right after. That hasn't happened in a long time, but that's the turning point of the game there. And, and you know, the question might be, and, and we had a question actually from Xander Sahalia. Uh, I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation. My apologies. But is this the game where we see the offense really get it together moving forward? It That might be the sequence. That giving up a long touchdown and then getting right back out there and going touchdown, touchdown, touchdown uh, right before and after the half. That is some vintage, you know, uh, Andy Reid offense. That is some Mahomes. You, you saw every bit of it right there. And and you're right. I think a lot of it is that they finally focused. I think they've been listening to this podcast, frankly. We've been you, talking for weeks, to you. <laughs> weeks about this offense should be built around Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, in addition to Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. That's the that's the the foursome. Maybe we should think of a fun nickname for them, but that's the group. That's the core of this offense going forward. And and almost in that order, uh, you know, with, with Rice and Pacheco leading the way. And that's what happened this week. You give Rice 10 targets and lo and behold, you get hundred yards uh, and a touchdown out of him. So that's a you know that is a recipe for success. And I think there was a lot of you know, consternation about the wide receivers all season, partially because nobody got more than three targets a game and nobody's going to have production with three targets a game, especially when some of those receivers are not the most efficient that are, you know, MVS who, who's not a big, you know, big efficiency guy. He's always going to be, you know, 50 to 60% of his, of his targets end up being catches, which is, you know, which is what he is, but, 
if you only give him three targets and he and he misses one or two of those, he's not going to be a big production guy. So you got to focus on on Rice, the, somebody who's developing, somebody who's got that ceiling, and who's already shown that he can adjust. And yeah, but start giving him the ball in ways that that he, he can do what he does best. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I mean, it it, it really was. It, it might have been forced, right? Like you you look at the injury report and you see that you know McCall Hardman's on IR. Uh, you know he's he's no longer in the rotation now. I know they got Richie James back in, um, you know, back in the mix as well. Uh, you know, but Jarek McKinnon, you know, didn't play this game. You know, obviously, you know, so that so that shows you, you know, that this team kind of needed to maybe lean on him in this game. And maybe it was like, Hey, look, you know, maybe it was kind of a light bulb and going off in their head. Like, Hey, you know, Hmm, maybe it is, you know, rice that needs to 10 targets and not Justin Watson as, as you know, the listeners of this podcast, remember me, you know, ranting last week that, you know, this team, this is, you know, the offense isn't going to look good. If, if, if Watson's the guy out of all these guys getting the 11 targets, all of a sudden rice is the one getting 10 targets and we're all celebrating a win and, and looking and feeling good about the offense. It's just not that's just natural because he's the most, you know, he's he's the most talented receiver right now um, for what they have. But you mentioned, you know, guys like, you know, not being able to be efficient in, in, in the targets they get at the same time when Rice is the one that gets 11 targets and you also have Kelsey eating up seven or eight targets. You know, Sky is going to be at his best when he's only getting three targets for three catches. Like, you know, he had that one play where he, he's catching, you know, uh, at the line of scrimmage juked was it marcus peters it might have been marcus peters he juked out uh which you know that's maybe not the biggest compliment or the the you know the 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 hardest thing to do in the world is is make marcus peters miss a tackle um but uh but he did get the first down it was probably his career highlight um but he had a few other plays where they were definitely trying to get him the ball getting downhill but again only three targets like hey you know that might just have to be how it is justin watson only got three targets but he had the one touchdown catch right where he got knocked on his on his butt and got right back up i know you like that stacks yeah he got back in the guy's face afterwards too got a penalty that was kind of dumb but you know at that point in the game it didn't matter too much did he yeah, get a penalty? I, what's that did he get a penalty on that i thought it yeah, was he got uh, an unsportsmanlike conduct for getting up in the guy's face after oh, scoring that I touchdown. They called it on him okay yeah 15 15 yard on the kickoff but again it didn't really matter that was the end of the half if i remember correctly I like seeing uh, some juice. I like seeing some juice from Watson. Why not? But yeah, I mean, obviously he and, and MVS are at the bottom of the production charts. But you know, if you look, if you take the two of them out, Rasheed Rice caught eight of ten. Yeah, one of them was probably a drop. One was questionable. You know, it was a tough catch. Uh, that one that was low. Mm-hmm. You know, Kelsey caught six of seven. Sky Moore caught three of three. But they also targeted Pacheco five times. He got five catches on five targets, uh, 6.8 yards per, per catch. Nothing, you know, outrageous, but productive screen game. And actually, if you factor in the fact that the very first play he got was an 11-yard loss on the screen play, uh, you take that out of there. Pacheco had, as I pointed out in the, in the Winners and Losers article this week, he had 100 yards total in this game if it wasn't for that, that 11-yard oh. loss. Uh, but that drug is his average down as well. But you've got to really, you know, you use Pacheco in the pass game. You use Noah Gray in ways that actually worked for him. Three, three targets, three catches. So really that, that group of pass catchers, those, those five players that caught the focused, uh, uh, you know, amount of the targets, 
for some reason is dramatically different than when they get 11 players involved uh, and, and spread the target super thin. Yeah, I know the Pacheco stuff was nice, uh, you know, because it was two screens, but it was also uh, uh, two other times where, you know, it was uh, one was a true check down and, and he got 11 yards on it. The other was more just, hey, you know, it's it's kind of in the read. And, you know, Mahomes, you know, the, the downfield stuff wasn't there. So he quickly went to him in the flat and he got it to him in rhythm. And that's the thing is when Pacheco, you know, Pacheco may not be the shiftiest dude, but if you can get him the ball in space just going downhill, it doesn't have to be as shifty. I mean, he's he's great. And so that's where he can be a really uh, useful receiver. Um, and so that, that was, it's, it's nice to see him being more and more involved there. They'll use him more in pass downs as it goes. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to, to kind of shelf McKinnon, too, as, as the season goes, because yeah. on pass downs, I still think he's a valuable player, uh, even though I, I they need to hand the ball off to him less and less, I think. Sure. And I, I will say also Isaiah Pacheco was used better in the run game. Uh, and I think we talked about this yes. a little bit in our uh, in our group chats. Um, but the fact that they ran some, you know, counters and some downhill stuff, you know, like that was a uh, that was a that was a really fun way to get him with a head of steam going downhill and hitting the, hitting the gap hitting the hole, uh, maybe putting in some concepts that we've been asking for for a long time there as well in the run game. What did you see there? Oh yeah, no, my, uh, our guy Caleb James, uh, check him out at CJ Scoobs. He's he's writing it uh, for us on the site. But you know the run game. There's ways it can improve schematically, and and we saw it in the Raiders game just simply by you mentioned the powers and counters, but we saw some good old trap, the old three tech trap where you're just and and I bet it's a check the line of scrimmage as it, as it typically is. Hey, you know which side's the three tech on? We're we're gonna run to that side. Trey Smith's gonna do a quick pull and 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 kick out block of of that defensive tackle, the wider one. It's gonna it's gonna hit right up the a gap really quickly and. You know, Pacheco, you know, at times in his career, he's a more of a stutter step guy um, and and before he goes. But, you know, on those kind of plays, he did show a good job of just accelerating right away because you need to. You can't mess around on on, you know, and, and wait around on traps. So uh, they ran that twice and succeeded twice. One was a touchdown. It, it was really cool to see them go to that. And it just sh- does show you that they're understanding that there is, a, you know, a different more layers to the playbook in the run game that they can get to that can help uh, with. And, but they can still do uh, better in terms of. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Pacheco, what, he only had 55 yards, three and a half per carry. Mm-hmm. They didn't, he didn't have a 10-yard rush. They can still do better. Raiders' run defense has been stout, but, you know, they, they could still have a better game than they did. Yeah. You would think that that power game would play right into the hands of Trey Smith and some of those other guys who actually had Absolutely. a pretty good game. Uh, and so, yeah, I, mean, I think there's some there's some uh, some real potential there. And I think, again, we've been calling for balance. We've been calling for a solid run game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a couple good runs this week. One of them was called back for penalty, but yeah. uh, you know the last two weeks in very limited action, he he showed that he can be part of that rotation, that he can give Pacheco a breather now and then, and maybe they don't have to force it to McKinnon. Uh, they can actually use Clyde as a as a backup there. Yeah, no, and that's the thing, Clyde. You know he he had a pass per rep. Uh, we'll talk about the play in a second um, on a on a deep pass attempt. Um, he didn't do necessarily bad on it, but like it's something where, you know, Jarek is 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 very good there, and Pacheco's even getting better at it. And Clyde's just not going to be able to withstand, uh, you know, kind of like be the anchor, you know, have as much anchor as those guys. Uh, and so that's where on pass downs, you know, that's that's he might be a little weaker than the other guys. But yeah, that's the thing, Clyde's always been, you know, good uh, with the ball in his hands in space, you know, one on one. And so, 
you know, if they, if they, if they can, they can, they can use more of that. Go ahead. Cause he is running hard right now. Yeah. Why not? Something else I just, uh, I didn't call out of the article this week, uh, partially because I didn't want to jinx it. If you watch the broadcast this week, the announcers said, uh, hey, the Raiders kicker was 30 of 30 or whatever the number was, 32 of 32 from that distance. And then he promptly missed that field goal. And then they said their punter is a uh, the best in the league, Pro Bowl caliber punter. And then he yeah. shanks a punt right after that. You hate to jinx kickers. But the Chiefs just tweeted out a little bit ago, Harrison Butker is now 48 of 48 this season, the best start ever for a Chiefs kicker. The Chiefs have had some legendary kickers. I mean, Jan Stenerud, Nick Lowry. I mean, this is a franchise of kickers. And for him to go 48 of his first 48, watch, he'll miss his very next kick because we're jinxing him now. But uh, what a start for Harrison Butker. Well, Stacks, I mean, you can blame the Chiefs. It's not our fault. I mean, they're the ones who tweeted it. <laughs> you know, it's it's a social media team. It's not our fault. Uh, wow, that is cool. Um, definitely goes with the tweet I had this weekend when Justin Tucker missed a very easy kick for Tucker indoors. It was like a 40-plus yarder. Uh, maybe it was close to 50, but uh, Justin Tucker is off his game, man. And so I think it's, it's, it's time. Harrison Bucker needs to be first-team all-pro kicker. Although Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker, is definitely making a run with that kick he had in the Bills game, uh, like 59 yards in the rain was wild. Um, and then I think the, the Cowboys kicker is perfect on field goals, but he's like missed extra points. So like you can't, you know, it, it, I don't know if we can involve that. So I think Bucker is in the lead for first team all pro kicker. How about that? I think we even maybe I, I think we tried to give him some love for that earlier in the season. So it's, it's cool to see him come into fruition there. What, what else do you is think? Your, your breakdown? We haven't talked about the defense really at all yet. Yeah, no, the defense individually, uh, you know, just zoning in on on the defense. You know, the first first few drives, it really was, or first three drives, right? Because uh, the second drive, they didn't give up any points, even though the Raiders probably should have went for it on that fourth down, kind of deep in their territory, and then they missed the field goal. Um, but the it was really just missed execution on, on the first few drives. Um, first of all, I mean, like Devontae Adams got loose on that first play. Yeah, he beat Snead across the field. That was just tough. It was a play action uh, play action pass. Later in that drive, though, um, there was a play where they blitz. They overload one side. Um, they actually – Spags uh, created a blitz enough to where there was two offensive linemen on the left side for the Raiders just blocking nothing. They were looking around like, oh, shoot. Um, and so he dialed it up well. But O'Connell, we, we said it at the top, um, got to give him credit. He, he beat it. Karloftis had a chance. He was dropping into the fire zone coverage, had a chance to kind of break it up and and just kind of hesitated to get over there. It was kind of weird, honestly. It, but it is kind of uh, the risks of continuing to run, you know, zone coverages where, you know, the guys in short zones are your defensive ends and tackles and, and not linebackers. Um, but, hey, you know, that's what Spags does. It, it works out a lot of the time. Yeah, um, and then was that one play where uh, Omenihue was downfield uh, as part of a double team. Uh, and they did not complete the pass. Uh, so, you know, did it, did I missed that somehow. I went through the film last night. Someone else mentioned that in twi Twitter. I was looking for it. I must have missed that because there was the other one where Naughty was, was it dropped back? <laughs> I, I tweeted that one out last night while I was watching Derek Naughty in a short zone. That's that's a bold uh, strategy, Cotton. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I said, yeah. No, it's, it's one thing to be dropping 260 pound Karloff. It's, an, it's another to be dropping 320 pound Derek Naughty. 
uh, onto the side Devontae Adams is, is throwing to. Uh, and that's what happened. It was a completion to Devontae Adams. That's why it was funny. It was just like, <laughs> and, and I tweeted it out during the game when that happened. Like, are we overthinking it a little bit? Like, can we just maybe, like, can we just maybe with Aiden O'Connell just play straight up and force him to make a throw? But he was making throws. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the Chiefs defense at first, you kind of just have to tip your cap. Like, the they, they tried to, uh, you know, force O'Connell into into mistakes, into early, you know, you know, interceptions or sacks. And at first, he was just throwing out of it. He was making plays. The touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers actually was just uh, Justin Reed just really blowing coverage, unfortunately. Uh, you know, he's had a good year. I've, uh, I've loved what Jerry's Reed's done this year. He had a rough start to the game. Though he missed a tackle at another at another point. Uh, and And – and what he did here was, you know, it was man across the board. You know, usually in that situation, uh, you know, Sneed's locked up on Adams, and then uh, it was McDuffie locked up on Renfro. And then you saw Jalen Watson and Reed communicating, hey, you know, man match, man match, meaning like if my guy goes out, I'm not going to follow him. I'm going to stay inside because there's someone else coming in. And Jay Reed just goes out. Myers is left wide open inside. No one picks him up. And then Brian Cook misses the tackle. Uh, there were some missed tackles that Josh Jacobs touchdown run. Mike Edwards missed a pretty bad tackle in the open field. Um, and our guy, you know, first round pick FAU was really the culprit of that. Um, he got hooked so hard inside uh, as a front side edge defender on that run that it just gave Jacobs a wide open hole. Uh, McDuffie as the nickel defender there got just mauled by a tight end. And that's where, you know, there's a difference between Snead and McDuffie in the slot is that McDuffie as good as he is as a blitzer, like he's still a small dude and can be blocked probably easier than Snead can. And so all that to say, Stags, is there's just some execution things, but it's nothing like truly to worry about. I think it was just the Raiders came out, played well, and 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 got the Chiefs, uh, caught the Chiefs in a few bad spots. Yeah, I th I thought early on there were some big mistakes by safeties, and I th as I was writing the winners and losers this week, it was tricky because you know, I could have easily put um, you know either Reed and or Cook, you know, or Edwards uh, based on some different plays that happened there. But they, the way they came back around, I, it felt uh, felt like they got the job done after those that first couple series. And Felix, yeah, he was another tough one. Like, got hooked on that long run, and and you know, definitely uh, was part of the problem there. But also ended up getting a you know hit on the quarterback, and you know was uh, you know was was definitely not you know didn't have a lot of snaps, so it wasn't like he yeah. was a big factor in the game other than that one play. So sometimes, yeah, you just got to chalk it up to hey. They got us on that one. Hey, let's, let, let's right. move forward. So, and Josh Jacobs is a great running back. Like he really is. Like not not every running back's taking that to the house. Um, but you know the Chiefs' defense, they were rotating. They were rotating a lot, and you're going to see this down the stretch, guys. It's like they are not going to be playing everybody as much as they would be if it was a playoff game. I mean, they are rotating guys like Matt Dickerson and probably more than they would. They're rotating guys like FAU on a rundown, and they they probably would not even put FAU in on a rundown at all in a, in a, in a playoff game, just because it's that crucial. You can't do that. Um, but a pass down, I think he's still obviously val valuable. So no, I don't think, you know, I don't think you need to freak out. Anyone needs to freak out about FAU at this stage of it. I think he's just not, you know, uh, someone you need to be putting in on a, on a, you know, a run play um, on the front side of a run play too. He's, he's definitely going to struggle there at but times. Just as the offense is built around now should be built around, you know, Rasheed Rice and Isaiah Pacheco the defense in a lot of ways, is it built around Drew Tranquil and Trent McDuffie now? Like these are the guys in addition to Chris Jones, obviously, but this defense, uh, you know, is continually making plays. And, and every single time you see a big tackle around the line of scrimmage, 
generally it's it's 23 getting in there. It's it is uh, yeah. uh you know Drew Tranquil and Trent McDuffie both hit different and and they move different when they're when they're working in that run game or in the short passing game. Yeah, no, I mean, this team is always, this defense under Spags has always kind of run through that slot position, right? I mean, since Tyron, since Sneed, and now McDuffie, that's why McDuffie's in there, because he's such, you know, Spags trusts him to run that and and be that player that can make all those plays. I just mentioned him getting washed out on the run play. But yeah, I mean that's that you know that's going to happen. He makes up for it by all the other plays he makes, and and especially against the run, he can he he's a great uh, playmaker against the run. He just you know if, if he doesn't get the right leverage at first, yeah, he's he's a little smaller dude. He can get caught up. So McDuffie is that dude, but Tranquil really just op, uh, you know moving around in the box. Um, they really are just allowing their linebackers, all of them, to make plays all over the place. I know you know Chanel didn't have the best game actually on that run play. I really should mention that Tranquil and Chanel are really the ones that just got way too far upfield into the box and just didn't give themselves enough room to scrape over. And, and that's why there was no one on the second level. If you watch that play, as soon as he breaks the line of scrimmage, there is nobody around. It's all yeah. Edwards and Jacobs from there. And so Chan- the Chanel definitely didn't have the best game. Tranquil had a good game again, though. But again, these linebackers are being being put in positions to make a bunch of plays, which is just fun because that's what they are. They're just playmakers. Like they, they, they are going to be maybe some – you know, here and there where they where's mistake like Willie, you know, Willie's going to have his missed tackle, going to have his over pursuit, but he makes up for it in the run game by just being a missile at times. So um, I think Spags just continuing to do that. And once Bolton gets back, I'm telling you, we're going to see some fun stuff uh, in the run game on early downs, you know, run blitzes, just kind of firing dudes from all all places. We're, we're going to see some fun stuff when when Bolton's back. Well, at least for three quarters of this game, it was a complete game for this team. It was offense, defense, special teams. They didn't turn the ball over. Uh, yeah, we complained about penalties, but they only had four that actually counted. They only gave up one sack in this game. Uh, everything was pretty clean, pretty pretty positive, and we can think about this as a, as a big sign of things to come. So that said, I feel like we're going to be talking positive about this team today. We're going to talk positive about them, hopefully, over the next few weeks as they continue to win. Rod, I feel like you're about to bring us down. I am the party pooper, Stags. Yes, that is right. I am the party pooper. This is going to be a new segment on the show uh, for the rest of the regular season, honestly. And, and you know why? And it's because I do believe this team is about to go on a run down the stretch in terms of winning football games. Do I think that's going to mean they are magically getting better at the things we were worried about in the loss of the Eagles in other bad games earlier this year? No. And that's why I want to be a party pooper. This week's edition wants to highlight the deep pass game. Again, not showing any signs of life. The Chiefs overcame it this week by the Raiders defense being bad. First of all, I do think we have to acknowledge that there were a lot of, of, of bad miscues by the Raiders offense or Raiders defense that led to big plays in the pass game from short passes, right? And that's why we didn't really think about, oh, the deep pass game wasn't working. Mahomes attempted one throw of over 20 yards in the air against the Raiders. It, it fell uh, harmlessly to the ground, incomplete on third down. It was the, the last play of the second drive. Um, and what happened there, Mahomes actually talked about it in the postgame, is the Raiders aligned in a one-high look, uh, looking like to play man coverage. And what you what Mahomes had was, was Kelsey going on a crosser across the field and Watson from that same side as Kelsey doing a corner route. And so what he anticipated, he said this after the game, he predetermined that that safety was going to kind of come up and, and, and help uh, Kelsey's man take him away. 
But once the once the ball was snapped, the Raiders actually came on a full out blitz, cover zero. That safety actually came down and became the man defender on Kelsey, and actually ran into the guy that was covering Watson on the corner. And Kelsey is running wide open across the field. The blitz obviously forces Mahomes to get rid of the ball quicker, uh, you know, than he needs to, or than he'd like to. But you know, he he kind of said it pre-game, post-game. You know, I predetermined that the safety was going to go with Kelsey, so the that corner route would be open. Watson. You know, got hung up. It wasn't there. The only play they 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 went, you know, 20 yards downfield. It was still kind of a miscommunication or kind of a miss, just like a miss, you know, miss by Mahomes, a miss by someone in the pass offense. And that's what we've been seeing kind of out of rhythm, out of touch, you know, uh, the pass offense. So it didn't get any better. The deep pass offense, I should say, in this game. Um, the only time we we got a chance at it, it, it still was kind of ugly. So. And Doug Blue Checkmark at DW Overdrive on Twitter actually, uh, you know, set us up here. I should have I should have asked this earlier. How much should we worry about Mahomes missing some deep layups as teams play more and more cover zero? Has something changed, or am I overreacting? It's not. I honestly don't think it's on Mahomes. I think it's these receivers um, just not playing consistently. Not you know we I I highlighted it last week on the AP Film Room. If 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 you really want to see, and Dan Orvlosky actually on Twitter did a really good job of highlighting it too of uh, MVS and Justin Watson not running the right angles on the routes deep against the Eagles, and that led to some of those incompletions. So I do think it's not something that we need to worry about with Mahomes, but I think it's what I've been talking about with these receivers is that's just kind of something that they don't – they aren't on the same page with them right now. It's not clicking, and I don't know if it's just going to be fixed in season. I think that's more of a talent thing. And so I do think there's something to teams trusting themselves in cover zero more, saying, hey, look, it's a pass down. Let's heat up Mahomes because I don't think they're going to hook up down the field when we when we allow a, a deep pass. Like that's what's happening. Like it really is. Imagine imagine a team saying that two years ago about the Chiefs' offense, saying, "Oh, hey, I'll I'll, I'll play no safety help on a pass down." It's well, it's what's happening. Yeah, a real uh, a real downer uh, thought is something <laughs> changed. Yeah, they traded Tyree Hill. I mean, this was a great downfield passing team when they had a great downfield receiver to to go with Mahomes. So. Right. They, you know, MVS should be that guy. He has not been uh, in in recent times, and most of the rest of their guys are just not built that way. You know, Sky Moore is just not going to be that deep over the over the shoulder, you know, down the field type type receiver. And and Justin Watson, he'll get one here and there, but it seems like Justin Watson's most valuable in the scramble drill, uh, and and not necessarily on a design route. So. Uh, the, there'll be, you know, there'll be some growing pains there. I, I hope they find ways uh, to to continue making big plays because this offense doesn't necessarily need to be a great deep passing offense, but they've got to make big plays, right? Yeah. You, it can't just all be dink and dunk stuff. So they have to, you know, get guys open down the field. This last week, I thought against the Raiders was a great example of, you know, they were creative about getting Kelsey open deep. They they hit a couple of those that one throw by the way, that keeps getting highlighted with all the different angles on, on Twitter was nuts from, from Mahomes to Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But you know, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't feel too bad about Mahomes' ability to throw downfield, uh, but with the receivers they have, they just have to be a little bit more creative. Yeah. And that's the thing. Mahomes was five for five on passes between 10 and 19 yards thrown down the field, which that is one of those. I mean, he was dynamite when it's the intermediate parts of the field, which, you know, in some instances, you know, if he's if he's hitting that 18 to 19 yard air mark, like it it, it feels like a downfield throw. So, it, you know, that stat's always going to be 
you know, little wiggle room, but on true, you know, deep pass attempts where they are, he's letting it air out. I mean, we all know, we've all seen it. It's just been ugly all season and it's just hard. And, and, and with all the offensive success, I guess my party pooper point is that that did not look any better. And it really didn't even get a chance to look any better. And good teams are going to force them to make, you make those plays in the playoffs. Yeah. They may have to hit the intermediate pass and, and rely on some yak to get, uh, to get those big plays. But, uh, I uh, tell you what, it's just about time to hear from our sponsors and take a little break. Uh, we'll go back to Ron's other favorite game, which is what NFL player am I? Um, what do you got for me this week? Oh, yeah. We're going for a stump this week because Chiefs and Packers, you know, they, they they have a history. They have some players, but but I settled on this guy. So, Stags, what NFL player am I? I was a first-round pick of the Packers in the 90s. But I came over and played with the Chiefs after that, trying to help that early 2000s defense, you know, get some support for that great offense, the Priest Holmes offense. Failed, uh, obviously. Didn't get too much uh, help to that offense and and left Kansas City short after that. So I only played two years in KC on that defense in the early 2000s. And let's just say my last name, uh, you know, you could, you could, it's another word for, you know, for, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah, let's just say that. Oh, come on. All right. We'll see if Ron's able to sum me after this. Make sure you stick with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We'll be right back with more of your questions after this. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. And Ron almost had me stump with this week's What NFL Player Am I? Uh, he was talking about a player that's played for both the Packers and the Chiefs that was a first-round pick for the Packers and then a short-time defender for the Chiefs in the era when they weren't playing a whole lot of defense. So I was 
I, I was almost stumped, and then you then you you had to give me a hint on the last name. I think you probably saw I'm my bad. face. I didn't I'm know terrible. it. So you gave me the extra hint about our guy Vonnie Holiday. Yeah, I don't. I I'm terrible. I need. I I I don't know why I went that extra leg. I want. I, I was trying to think of another way to put it, but yeah, there's just no other way. So uh, you're, yes, you're just, you are correct. You're just too kind, Ron. You're too, too, you just didn't want to leave me hanging, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Let's get to some more mailbag questions, including one from the Gmail account. Go ahead, Ron. Yes, yes, my guy, Sonny Derod. Hope I'm saying that right. Appreciate you emailing my guy. Um, he just wanted to thank us. For the pod, he started listening to us this season. Thanks for the best do on Arrowhead Pride. Shout out, Sonny. Uh, there might be some bias here, though, because he definitely went to the same high school I did. Shout out, Sean Mission Northwest alum. <laughs> Anyways, his question is, assuming the Chiefs go on to secure a number one or number two seed, which one of the AFC teams would be the scariest wild card or divisional round matchup for the Chiefs mm-hmm. as a potential seven seed opponent? I love looking ahead like this because it is that time of year where you start just looking at the AFC playoff picture every every week and seeing, you know, who's where, who's what, uh, which is like funny because right now the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts are the seven seed, which no one would have thought, you know, a few weeks ago, Gardner Minshew led Colts. But but yeah, he, he had a few options here, Stags, uh, but this but admittedly, uh, this question is a little old. So uh, we're going to we're going to change up his options a little bit and just say. Let's, let's talk about the seven seed race and talk about uh, you know some of the teams in the mix because I mentioned the Colts are in there. The Texans are just outside of the seven seed. The Broncos are six and five now on a five-game winning streak mm. and are right there in the thick of it. And then the Bills and the Bengals are still hanging around. So I don't know. Out of those kind of five teams, you know, obviously the Bengals don't have Joe Burrow anymore, but uh, but I don't know. What's the what's kind of the scariest team? Are you scared of the Bills still, even even after kind of you know losing some big games lately? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I think there's there's always the fear of, you know, the Chargers, right, because they're just a talented team. And, uh, you know, the Broncos got the win earlier. I, I, I don't think that would happen in the playoffs. But, you know, there there's – any given Sunday is is a real thing in, in the NFL. Uh, that said, it all, it all depends on if, if the Chiefs are playing their best brand of football. I don't think it really matters. Uh, which of these teams they face, I think they're going to be all right. Um, it's it's a, you know, I think I said this last year, it's not so much about the opponent, it's about how the Chiefs are playing at, at that point when they get there. Buffalo is one of those teams that, that has the talent to win, um, but they're not playing like it lately. Uh, and I saw a crazy stat that I think was it Josh uh, Allen is now, 0 and, is it 0-4 in overtime games in his career? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Oh, for whatever. He hasn't won. I know that. He's, yeah, he hasn't won. Oh, for overtime uh, in, in his career. And and so you, know, you start looking at some of those teams and saying, hey, when it matters, when when you have to come up in the clutch, you know, who's uh, who, who do you worry about? Um, so give me that list again. Who are the seven seeds? So the Colts are it right now. And I should say the Steelers and Browns are the five and six seed currently. So they could always drop down. Yeah. But that the Colts are the seven seed. The Texans are right behind them with C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, looking good. Um, you know, that defense is a little suspect, but again, C.J. Stroud's looking good. Broncos, Bills, got the Bengals right behind them, and then it gets to the seven-loss teams, which I don't think, in, in how crowded it is right now, I doubt any of these seven-loss teams get in there. So, yeah, I, I would say the Bills are still that team that if they sneak in there, it is going to be kind of interesting, man, because – 
their defense is is awful. I will say, like they they are just so decimated with injuries right now. Um, their cornerbacks are are you know they 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 whiffed on Kyrie Elam as a first round pick apparently because he's not even able to really play for them. Should they call him not Trent McDuffie? Is that the, uh, <laughs> yeah? Exactly. Oh man, <laughs> best video there is there is going. I mean, if 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 you want to if you want to pick me up as a fan, I mean. <laughs> The, uh, Bills PM the draft room. Uh, yeah, of the when they realized the Chiefs traded up to get McDuffie, and and I, I, the funny thing is, I was a huge Kyrie Elam fan, so uh, I you know I I thought he was going to be a good corner. He's a very Not athletic funny. guy, right? He just hasn't uh, maybe put it all together. Yeah, their system doesn't really fit him. Honestly, I think he'd be better honestly in our system. But all that to say. They still are the team to me. It's like if they're the seventh seed and they're coming to Arrowhead for the first game of the playoffs. It's not the best feeling, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm confident, right? I'm confident the, the defense is that bad, but like Josh Allen is still playing well this year. I think the turnovers have been overblown. Um, a lot of his turnover, uh, he, he's had bad turnover luck this year. When in past, he's mm-hmm. had good turnover luck. Um, and there's so, always some regression to the mean when it comes to turnovers, right? So you'll have right, you'll have some, yeah, some give and take there. Yeah. So I yeah, I think the, I think the Bills are really the, the answer here. The Bills would be the answer for the lower seed. You know, really the only teams that uh, I would be really worried about the matchup would be the Dolphins and the Ravens in, in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, those wouldn't be first round, uh, you know, w- wouldn't be wild card weekend games. But but if the Chiefs were to get uh, the number one seed, get that bye week after the bye, they could end up playing Miami uh, fairly likely. That would be a pretty tough matchup for a divisional round. Uh, just given the weapons there, uh, and you know the motivation will be there for for Tyreek, and he's going to put on a big he's going to put on a big game one way or the other. So it would be a fun matchup with as well as the Chiefs' defense and especially the secondary have been playing. Uh, if it, those teams that rely on the passing game uh, and and have a, have good receivers, it would be would be fascinating matchups. Uh, and Baltimore is just a really good all around team, and and yeah. so they they would be. They would be a tough matchup as well. So, but again, the Chiefs play their best. They're they're going to go on a run here. I'm going to jump to Ed Halinski's question. Looking at the rest of the schedule, do you think the Chiefs will stumble a game or two, or will they run the table? You know, whether they run the table or not, I think the Chiefs are going to put it together and and be, you know, pretty likely that number one or number two seed. I think they have every reason to believe they should be the number one seed at this point, given the the rest of this schedule. Uh, so they've got the Packers this week, then the Bills at home, at the Patriots, home against the Raiders, home against the Bengals, and at the Chargers. I, I think when we did our predictions the last couple of weeks, I, I think I've got at least one more loss uh, slated for the for the team in here. Um, I could see them drop on one more. I could see them winning out. Um, uh, you know, obviously – Recency bias says that maybe they'll win out, and and uh, after the loss last, uh, you know, to the uh, to the Eagles, maybe we were thinking more that they would have another couple of losses. So, uh, you know, we'll see. What what do you think as far as the the rest of the season? Do you see more stumbles? Yeah, I think I was. I, I predicted you know the Chargers game to be the really only loss, but I really feel like that team's going to be uh, you know a shell of itself by that point, week eighteen. Staley, there's no way Brandon Staley lasts. I'm surprised he's still uh, the coach of the the Los Angeles Chargers um, with how they've played this year. 
So honestly, I mean, you know, I I think the Bills are really going to come in and that's going to be their Super Bowl. They're going to be backs up against the wall. Even if it wasn't like, you know, even if they weren't the six and six team, that's like barely in the playoff race, like that would be a huge game. But you got to believe like they're going all out in that game. But I still think the Chiefs could take care of that, you know, especially since it's in Arrowhead. And so I think there is a there's a really good chance that the Chiefs take care of business. They can go. Uh, you know, they can take, you know, go on a run the rest of the season and not lose. But I think this team has shown too many undisciplined games and too many times where they've just, you know, penalties. Are, again, I, I I'm the party pooper. Right. So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that I'm sure they stumble at least one time still, like I predicted a couple yeah. weeks ago. They, that That's probably fair. They'll drop at least one more. But if they drop one more, if you look at the, the schedule for the rest of the contenders, there's still a decent chance they could drop one and, and be the one seed. Right win out they are the one seed but if they, if they drop one more then they need a little bit of help uh, to get that one seed you know I, I don't think we can be super confident that you know the the ravens are going to win out for example uh, in the afc yeah right the ravens have still some teams to play um i don't have their schedule in front of me but i know they have the jaguars still to play which obviously that that knocks one of those te- two teams out um, but they also obviously have some AFC North teams that they're going to beat them up. They have the Steelers still to play at the end of the season. They have the Niners still to play. Ooh, Miami still to play. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah, I mean, that's – yeah. So, <laughs> the Chiefs really are sitting pretty because, I mean, you, you just, I just I just said, I mean, the, the, the rest of the AFC contenders are kind of still having to play each other and, and give each other a loss. Yeah, imagine a scenario where the, you know, where the Ravens beat the Jaguars and then lose to the Niners – Right. At least if, if, if not more games than that, that scenario alone means that the Chiefs are almost certainly going to be the one seed if they win. Yeah, the Ravens do have a nice bye week, which was this last week. Um, and so that's why, you know, people were like, oh, the Ravens are the one seed. Ravens are the one seed. Well, they just played more games. And now yeah. each team has uh, the same amount of losses. And the team and the Chiefs, luckily, they're bad games. Two of their bad games this year have come against NFC teams. So that's why they do actually have the tiebreaker when it comes down to yeah. it. At Jake, for now, Jake Wilson, our guy, um, draft grades, comps, combine stats, that's the yardstick that we measure the front office success. We discount development after the draft. I think that's an interesting statement. It's something we can talk about. I think this team you know, certainly is relying currently on a lot of players that they're developing that they did draft. Um, so his question is, which Chiefs on rookie deals have exceeded expectations and who gets too little credit or recognition for their contributions. So looking through the rookie deals, you know, I think it's, it's pretty clear. Let's, let's uh, throw out a couple that we can just all agree that they've exceeded expectations. Um, Rasheed Rice is exceeding expectations at this point. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis. uh, I think it's pretty clear. All of those guys have exceeded expectations and they're still on their rookie deals. Of course, uh, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey knocked it out of the park with both of those guys on their rookie deals. We'll see what happens as far as getting new contracts. Legereus Sneed, uh, again, somebody else that uh, is due for a new contract but has absolutely crushed uh, uh, what we expected of him on, a, on his rookie deal. Anybody else that stands out to you that has exceeded expectations so far? 
Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Lejarius Sneed. That twenty twenty draft is really, uh, you know, the start. It's act, you know, obviously, it's the last, uh, you know, the last year of the rookie deals in the current year, right? That that's that's Dana Sneed, Gay. They're all in the rookie deals, and that's the guys that I'm yeah, about to mention. That, that's that a good point. Got. Maybe somebody who's getting little too little recognition is probably Mike Dana uh, still. Oh yeah, uh, he's still you know trending towards a nearly a, a double digit sack season this year after being you know, pretty solid over the last couple of years. Yeah. So that that's those three, honestly, are all guys that I think are playing into potential nice contracts this off season. I think Willie is proving something as a second linebacker, you know, that will linebacker, I think, you know, it's just a crowded room. So I think they, they rotate him in and out a lot, but so he isn't like the full-time will. I think Leo plays a lot of that too um, at times, but I think Willie, I think Willie and Mike Dana are going to be guys that, you know, we may not even expect to see the, the size contracts they get because other teams are watching the Chiefs defense right now saying, how are they so good? And realizing that, okay, they got dudes. These guys are playing their roles really well. And that's mm. the kind of guys they get paid. I mean, they're, uh, you know, Dana, you know, he's like the perfect, you know, he's not going to, you know, he's going to probably get paid too much than more than people think he should get paid, but he's not going to like, he's not going to disappoint you. I, I, I can guarantee you that. Um, and so, I think I think Willie's a little more volatile depending on where he goes, but all that to say, and Legarius is just I mean, I didn't even I'm, I'm not even talking about him because he's just become, you know, such a good corner. So yeah, I you think Willie and Mike Willie and Mike Dana are the guys that are gonna get underrated contracts this year. Yeah, and the more I look at this list, uh, you know, Trey Smith is still on his rookie deal, obviously dramatically exceeding yeah. expectations. You know, I think uh Isaiah Pacheco, I don't know if I mentioned him the first time through, but but yeah, just Knock that one out of the park. He's he's just killing it. There's other guys like Joshua Williams, who's been a good role player. Uh, Jalen Watson as well. Uh, you know, no matter what, those guys are still day three draft picks that are right. rotating and making plays. So, are they perfect players? Are they your your stars? Are they going to get massive deals this next time around? Probably not, but they are part of the solution here and they didn't cost a whole lot because they're on this uh, late round rookie deals, fourth and seventh rounders uh, respectively. Right. Someone like Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson could still, you know, they're very early in this, right. You know, they could turn into the Dana or the Charverius ward or, you know, someone that by the end of their rookie deal, they are being looked at as a contract guy. What about Shamari Connor? Um, where has he been as re- relates to your expectations for him in this rookie season? So, I mean, it's hard to say because I didn't have very high expectations for him on defense. So I guess I'd say he's exceeded him because he's being used. Um, he's <laughs> he's he's good on special teams, man. Tobe has mentioned how good Connor has been on special teams um, in press conferences. We already knew that. So that's kind of the same expectation. But on defense, man, they are trusting him to just be playing in the slot like Sneed was trusted, you know, for a lot of his career. Um, and that's something that maybe I didn't think they'd, they'd want to do right away because he he is vulnerable in coverage, in my opinion. But they're they're doing a pretty good job of only putting him in and, and run situations a lot of times when he's just, you know, having a thicker body on the edge rather than McDuffie, uh, you know, kind of like I talked about earlier. And then you can leave McDuffie and Snead on the outside. So I think I'd, I'd say Connor is exceeding expectations. He is kind of on the track to be kind of the Snead in the slot guy that maybe some people said he would be that I didn't think we'd maybe see from him right away. Yeah, you know, to, getting back to Jake's point here, um, if we're discounting development post-draft, 
you know, I actually think the Chiefs have done a pretty darn good job developing young players uh, right. post draft, and they've actually flopped a little bit in the uh, uh, let's focus on former first rounders that we can rehab their careers and and you know, uh, so really putting a lot of stock into previous draft uh, you know draft grades and and trying to rehab some careers that hasn't worked out as well. That was a big story for a couple of years there. So I think for, for the most part, they've been really developing, especially young players on defense. I mean, even saw on offense, uh, Juan A. Morris got a couple snaps this week and, and yes. he's not, uh, uh, you know, he is not a big enough sample size to determine a whole lot, but tell you what, they put him in on the very first play. I believe it was third and one. And they ran behind him and picked up three yards right right off the bat. So um, that shows a little bit of confidence in him. That shows his ability to to put his head down and and, and you know push a push a defender back. And, and that was a good block he made on that play. Next the the next rep I believe was pass protection, and he looked. I mean, he pushed his guy out around the arc, but you know that uh, it wasn't a perfect rep. But there may still be something uh, to see there. All of this to say what I was trying to get to is that they've been pretty good at developing almost every position except for wide receiver. And, and now that Rasheed Rice is coming on, uh, maybe there's hope for that position group as well. Yeah. And I'd even just say, I mean, you, you talked about defense, but like, I, I think Spags and the assistant coaches just really need a lot of credit um, for what they've done. Someone like Dave Merritt, I, you know, he's probably not going to last long here just because like at some point, teams are going to realize why are all these DBs playing so well in Kansas city continually? I think Spags deserves a lot of that. He was originally DBs coach. Um, you know, I think he gets known for his pass rush schemes, but he was originally DBs coaches scheme, you know, relies a lot on the DBs to, you know, uh, play hard, play physical, you know, uh, you know, play sound. And so, yeah, I, I think I think it's it's really a lot of credit to these guys developing the BBs. We want to give credit so much to Veach for like finding these, you know, Jalen Watson and Ladarius Need, but you know, I, I think there's a real chance that they go other places and they don't become the same kind of players they do because here Spags is 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 turning them into really good players, and that's why he's such a good defensive coordinator. Absolutely. And when it comes to wide receivers, you know, you could you could go back a few years and say, Well, all right, well, they developed Tyreek Hill, who was not a full-time receiver in college and not a yeah. highly thought of prospect uh, into an all-pro, perennial all-pro type player. Um, I, I do think that that Rice is on his way to being a very good player, and and we'll see about the rest of Sky Moore and, and some of these other guys. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there are some receivers that, you know, there's still some hope for. That said, <laughs> uh, Mike Tavener Media asked, with the charges being dropped against Justin Ross, should we expect his return to the Chiefs? Uh, should we expect it? And, and and maybe phrase differently, when would we expect it if we do? Yeah, no, uh, no idea when. Um, I I don't have that kind of information. Um, but you know, I, I mean, you, I think you can imagine the Chiefs are going to, you know, just by history, by precedent, you know, they're going to give him, you know, an opportunity to, uh, you know live out or kind of, you know, play out this, you know, if he's going to be, you know, eligible to do so. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's going to, it didn't help him in terms of getting on the field. I think he might just be, he might've kind of gone back to square one in terms of we're not going to see, especially with rice, maybe taking a step as a downfield receiver in that same way. I mean, he looked like Justin Ross on that catch he made, mm. uh, in the game down the sideline. So yeah, I, 
I don't, uh, I don't expect him to be like release or cut or anything, but I definitely don't think we sh- you know, he's just going to be all of a sudden drop back into the game. I think we're probably, he's probably going to be more of a practice squad guy. I imagine. Yeah. That, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to crack the lineup. I do think they'll probably stand by him if the facts of the case and the situation are, you know, what are something that they're comfortable with and, and they're, They'll do their homework. They'll figure that out on their own. They haven't released him yet, which tells me that they've they've done their due diligence and they feel at least somewhat comfortable carrying him, at, le- at least for now. Yeah, hey, exactly. Thomas Ramirez made one more point about the uh, kind of comparing the wide receivers to the secondary. Uh, he said last year – or I'm sorry – Thomas actually is looking for some credit here. Uh, he's pulling out the receipts. <laughs> yes, he said, he like did. I said earlier in the year, is the wide receiver core like the secondary from last year? They just needed time to gel and, and get to where we want to go. Uh, so credit to Thomas for that perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope that that is the case going forward. I'm not 100% sold that, you know, the whole group is is going to pan out the way we hope. Uh, I think Sky Moore still has a lot more to prove. Uh, you know, I, I think you know there, there's others there that you know Kadarius Tony has not really delivered on the promise that we hoped for him. Uh, but you know, with the Chiefs maybe narrowing the field a little bit and, and starting to focus on their better playmakers, maybe there's maybe there's some hope for this unit as a whole. Uh, but I, I'm not ready to give them young secondary status uh the the way that uh, thomas has yet no i'm not either i mean if anything i mean it's it's not like it's trending like super up i mean Rashid is trending up but i think it's just him personally like i really don't think that means any of the other parts of the receiving core i just liked how they kind of used uh everyone else in compliment to rice this week that's not saying that i was like a super big fan of like what those receivers did and how they looked this week uh, you know i mean watson and mbs got two targets combined and i think i know watson scored but like it was zero yards total on two targets uh like two catches i should say uh so yeah, yeah. yep yeah so i i the secondary was ascending much more than the receiving core is right now i would say hey but if thomas ends up being right and it might take until next year until we really see the fruits of it right like so the wide receivers if they come out next year and look like the secondary does this year, <laughs> then, uh, you know, that's your head. The second, it's not like the secondary played well in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was 38, 35. So yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's about that time to take a look forward, talk about the Packers as the upcoming opponent. Uh, and I'm going to go back to our recent tradition of letting Ron do that preview while I bounce out, get back to my day job here. Uh, but thank you all for joining us and being with us for this uh, edition of the Outer Structure Podcast. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Ron, tell us what you see about Chiefs Packers. Yes, sir. See you, Stags. But, yeah, we got Lambo this week. Night game. little little Sunday night action. Um, it's always nice. You know, primetime in Lambo. Kind of a fun aesthetic to this game. You know, it gives it a little more juice, right? Because, you know, that's the thing. I, I do think the Chiefs opponents down the stretch – there's going to definitely be some stinkers. I mean, they play the Patriots in New England. They play the Raiders again at home. Uh, they do play the Chargers again when they're a shell of themselves. They play the Bengals. So, you know, it's nice. And the Packers are are playing well, I will say. You know, they're ascending. They're on a two-game win streak. They beat the Chargers at home. And then on Thanksgiving, they came into Detroit and took control of that game pretty quick. Uh, I'm sure all you saw it as you watched uh, or as you ate your turkey. Um, 
took control of that game. Uh, the offense looks better. They have a lot of young players. That's the thing, though, and, and that's why I, I think the key matchup is here is is the Packers offense with Jordan Love, with all these young rookie receivers, rookie tight end, um, young players. That's 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 a lot of young, of youth uh, against the Chiefs defense that is just going to be throwing a lot at you, making you think, making you, uh, you know, think twice about what your route is or what your adjustment is or, or you know, oh, what my path is. Or obviously Jordan Love just generally making him think, oh, shoot, is it a blitz? Is it not? Um, I think there's definitely something there to, to consider with, with the fact that this Chiefs defense is probably going to make Jordan Love's life he- hell. But at the same time, man, it's – it's you know he's he's been playing well this year. Um, he's been playing better and better. Um, you know he he they play they put up you know they put up 19 in Pittsburgh. They did lose that game. Um, he threw the interception late. Um, but you know the Chargers game 23, Lions 29 points. So I think the Packers offense. You know it, it, it this that's really the key matchup here is if they can uh, you know play like the Raiders did against the Chiefs defense at first. You know that could really help because. The Packers defense does have talent. I mean, they do have guys on the other side of the ball that can definitely gives the Chiefs trouble. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary is one of the best edge rushers in the league this year. He's had eight, eight and a half sacks. He's someone that's definitely going to, you know, be someone the Chiefs need to pay attention to. They have Preston Smith on the other side. He has five sacks this year. Kenny Clark on the inside. Devontae Wyatt from Georgia a couple of years ago. Lucas Van Ness is in the mix as well as a pass rusher. So you have guys on the front. You know, the Chiefs protection is going to be tested much more than it was this week with only Max Crosby. It's going to be much more like the Eagles game. But, hey, the Chiefs pass offense, pass protection, pass for the most part, pass the test against the Eagles. Um, you know, there was that one sack. But, again, it was really a scheme. I think I've mentioned that on this podcast as well as the YouTube show. So, yeah, so I think the Eagles pat or the Packers pass rush is, is really the key thing here. They do have Jair Alexander back in the mix after an injury earlier this year. Uh, you know, he is playing again, uh, you know, and he uh, actually, no, I think he did get hurt again, didn't he? Uh, you know, he hasn't been playing the last few, few weeks. Um, so shoot, you know, scratch that. So really you're talking about, you're talking about a defense that is, you know, that, di- that is, really going to be dealing with stuff. I mean, yeah, they've had Aaron, they've had, uh, they've had running back trouble too with injuries. Aaron Jones had injuries at running back. You know, he's missed games. AJ Dillon is, uh, you know, played through a groin injury last game, but, but yeah, no Packers have been banged up. Um, you know, Packers are, are definitely getting back in it though. That, that game against the lions can be kind of a, uh, you know, a refuel of juice, but this defense is definitely vulnerable. It's something that the chiefs can take advantage of. And again, I think the Chiefs defense, you know, is really a mismatch for, for Jordan Love in a young offense. So watch for that. Watch for Spags to really take control of this game. I think you're going to see some sacks. You're going to see some turnovers. And we should have a fun one in Lambeau for the Chiefs. I don't think this this one should be particularly close. It might look like the Raiders game, except, you know, if the Chiefs execute a little more on defense, it could be, you know, 31-10 instead of 31-17. You know, it could be an even wider margin of victory. So that is it. That is it for the Out of Structure podcast today. Appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you follow me at on Twitter at Ron underscore Cop. Follow me on the site, arrowheadpride.com. Uh, make sure you're checking all of it out. We're going to have film reviews up this week from the, from the Raiders game. We're going to have previews of the Packers game, five things to watch. Make sure you're tuned into it all. Appreciate y'all. And we will catch you next time.
Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premiere. It's obviously an exciting time as the Chiefs enter this season, looking to become the first back-to-back Super Bowl champs in nearly 20 years. Arrowhead Pride Premiere is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas. The city. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. In the offseason, the party won't stop. We'll still be covering the biggest stories and all the offseason's twists and turns will show up in your inbox on a regular basis. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.